Explorer Studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida. This is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. There's only been one person who has flown on all five space shuttles. His name is Story Musgrave, and he's been to space six times. Musgrave led the team that serviced the Hubble Space Telescope in orbit, fixing a flaw in the $1.5 billion observatory while it was more than 300 miles above Earth. But Story has a humble backstory. I want to take a quick detour from the usual scientific and technical stuff we talk about on this podcast to talk about the human side of things. I spoke with Story this week ahead of an event we're both attending. I was interested in what motivated him to become an astronaut and go on to lead the most complex shuttle mission of its time. Now, let me ask you this, Story. Um, your career, you look back at it, you've been to space six times, six different degrees. There's the You were in the Marine Corps, you were in NASA, a doctor, an engineer. What was your motivation? What, what did young Story want to be when he was growing up? Farmer. Really? What was that? Well, well what else should I? I had no other opportunity. I had no encouragement. What else could? There's no other thing I could have wanted to do, sir. I could not, as a kid, Story Musgrave, say, I want to be a physician. That's impossible, and people would have told me, you can't and you won't. I, I had no sight. I had no horizon. I had no hope, sir. But I am a farmer. I drive in every tractor and truck on a place at age 9. By 12 or 13, I'm keeping that stuff moving. But as a child, whatever age you want, so I was riding the combines and the bales at age 7 and 8, tying the knots when the machine couldn't tie the knots, you know. I'd get run over by equipment all the time. Got run over so bad I got my head crushed, took neurosurgery, stopped the bleeding, came out of that with seizures. Okay, that's farm kid, man, just getting run over. And so, but, so when you're saying, I think you're asking when I was a child, there's no other hope for anything else. This is the only thing I know. I had no television, sir. I had no radio. I'd never been to a movie. Do you know what a movie is? I do, and I'm sure Brandon, every you know kid what does. A movie is? <laughs> of course. Well, I did not. And so, you know what I mean? What are my horizons? Right. Where am I looking? Mm-hmm. But. But, sir, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining one bit about any of that because I am here today. Where, 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 where did that turn happen, that, that you went from, from not knowing anything but being a farmer to, I mean, commanding one of the most complex shuttle missions in the history of spaceflight? Where did that turn well, happen? I did that because I'm a farm kid. I did that because I'm a farm kid because I was a Marine Corps airplane mechanic because I was a tank mechanic with the Marines because I was a heavy construction equipment and a trauma surgeon. I know how to fix stuff. And so if you look at the path I took, it's leading to Hubble. No one at that time had the skills and the imagination to create, you know, solutions to the problem. I picked Hubble in 1975. People don't know that. I was on Hubble in 1975, 18 years before I went to fix it. I designed it. I designed it for serviceability. They told me in 75, you identify every problem and get into it. What are you going to do? How are you going to fix it with a spacewalk? So, but you asked a question, you know, uh, so what was the turning point? Well, my farm went under. So the farm went broke. It went under. So that's a turning point. But... I was in love with the horse farms. I went traveling then, and so I was in love with the horse farms. And, and 
later on, so as a, as a teenager, I moved. I'm going to be a horse farmer now because I visited Lexington, Kentucky, and if you got to be a farmer, that's my kind. I can't afford it, but I will get into that game, and I will develop myself, and I'll get to a point where I can have my own horse farm. And I tried to get employment then, but you can't employ a runaway kid. Who are you? Well, I left home, so you can't get employment as a runaway. But I became a heavy construction equipment mechanic at the age of 16, building the Massachusetts Turnpike. Well, we finished the turnpike, so I'm temporarily out of a job, and I never finished school. So I don't have a high school diploma. Okay, you're out of work and you don't have the education. What are the opportunities? I joined the Marines. And that, sir, was a massive turning point. That is going to expose me to the world. I'm going to go to Korea. I'm going to travel. Technology, airplanes, you know, missions, get the job done travel, aircraft carrier, my goodness. So you ask, you know, from being this isolated, without horizon, kind of narrow farm kid, the Marines was the thing. That was my door, but I was sort of forced into it because I didn't have education and I don't have a job. So that was the perfect launch for this kid. Now, you mentioned something earlier, Story. You said the reason that you were so successful in NASA as an astronaut is because you knew how to fix things and you had the imagination to do so. Yeah. What do you mean by imagination? How does that help you fix things? Well, you got it. You absolutely have to use imagination. So you use imagination on the farm. The machine quits, man. The machine's dead. It got a problem. Well, how do you fix it? There are no procedures. There are no checklists. There's nothing. You got a broke machine, and you have to come up with a solution. So you become a problem solver. And when you've done that with farm equipment, heavy construction equipment, when you've, you know, when you're airplane mechanic, when you're tank mechanic, you're a trauma surgeon, you're looking at what you got to do to get to the finish line, what you got to do to put this system back in place, to recover the whole system. Of course, how along the way, I got those procedures down. We created very firm procedures and created the tools to get the job done. And so we tested all that stuff. So when we went to go and do that. We weren't creating anything. We had that plan. You have to get the plan down. You can't create stuff real time. You don't want to. You don't want to have to. Now, let me let me ask you about that mission um, to service Hubble there. I mean, that was a super important mission for this multi-billion dollar project. Um, and, you know, you you and your team single-handedly gave us the eyes to the depths of the universe, what's it like when you see those Hubble images come back and know that you had a hand in making those images that are so influential to people and so influential in getting the public interested in space? Well, it's a sense of humility and that I've been trying to survive my whole life. And so it's, it's thankful. It's thankful for the, the destinies that I was allowed to finish the job. So I've been on these playing fields for however many decades where I have to get the job done, and I know I can't be stopped. And so I'm part of a team. It's always part of a team, of course, like Mission Control, love and adore them endlessly. And so, but it's a sense of thankfulness that we did look at the details and we did not get surprised. So... The team was penetrating enough in its futuristic-looking forensic to look at things and, and identify problems before they happened. And that's what allowed us to get the job done. We had enough imagination to see what could happen, and we planned for that ahead of time so that once we got there, 
we are doing a plan that we have rehearsed. Now, you are just one of just a handful of people that have had the unique perspective of walking in space. Can you tell me about that first moment you you left the airlock and, and you're in your spacesuit, and what was that view like? What did it feel like? Well, I was doing the dance, and of course, I did challenge her. I was the first, uh, first spacewalker in the whole shuttle program. I was the first person to go out the door in the entire shuttle program because I had helped design the suits. As a physician, as someone that, and a mechanic, how you get work done, me and the team designed the spacesuits that we use on the shuttle and we use on Space Station today. Now, those suits were designed by me and the team. So that's why I got to go out and uh, test those things. And so, but of course, um, in my imagination and other, all kinds of other things, I was into um, the freefall condition, the zero gravity. I have been in suits for thousands upon thousands of hours, and so it's, it's do the dance. It's Dorothy Hamill, the music starts what you're going to do. That's what it's all about. <laughs> And I'm not being compulsive. I am not compulsive. It's the dance, and I love the dance. Okay, here we go. Here's the dance. And so it's the beauty of the dance, too. And so I am an athlete, and I brought athleticism to the spacewalking world. But what's it like? It's like for Dorothy Hamill when the music starts. You know Dorothy Hamill. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or Peggy Fleming, the graceful ones. What is it like for me, sir? It's when the music starts. That's what it's like for me. Not in a compulsive way. The beauty. The beauty of the dance and the plan that you laid out. I'm a great ballerina, but the ballerina is not out there inventing what you're going to do. She has perfected that along the way, and now it is the pleasure of pulling that off when it matters. The pleasure. Did you get a moment to to take that that pleasure in? Every minute. uh, Every move you make, you're saying, my goodness, I got this one. The move I designed ahead of time, my goodness, it's working. And ain't that beautiful. (laughs) That's probably reassuring, too, right? Yeah, well, you do wonder. And so you're always studying. You're always looking as you're doing the dance out there. Did you nail it in your imagination? Because they don't have a simulator. Mm -hmm. There is no simulator for space walking. We do the water. Now, the water is good for Newton's third. It's action and reaction. You put some force on some object, that force has come back into your body. You push on some 30 pounds, your body going backwards 30 pounds. Water's good for that. Water's not good for how your suit is going to work. It's not good at all. If I go upside down the water tank, I got 150 pounds on my collarbones because I am, you know, resting on my collarbones inside the suit. The water is not zero G. It's neutral buoyant. So we don't have a simulator. So you, you grab all the analog devices they've given you to build to build in your imagination what this walk is going to be all about. And then you're out there and you're seeing that the imagination was correct. Mm -hmm. Story, there's something that you keep bringing up in our conversation here. You keep saying imagination. And I'm wondering if, as a kid, you know, you were a daydreamer. As an adult, are you still a daydreamer? And do you think that that people use their imagination enough now? I mean, everything that you do, you you say you're using your imagination. Is there a loss of that? As a kid, I... Kid, I had massive imagination. I had massive imagination because I suppose I was making up for the lack of real world. Except, you know, um, I was in a forest alone at night at age three. Now, that's imagination, man. Mm-hmm. You're wondering what's there, what's going to happen. But but you're totally at home with the spirits that are there. You're totally at home. You know the forest is your kind of place. And you know you're at total peace with whatever is there. 
and it's absolutely nothing. Gonna, this is age three, sir. Mm-hmm. This is age three in the forest alone at night. Wow. And being totally at home with that situation. And also, I built my own rafts at age five. I went down the river at age five. My own home-built raft at age five. And so, you know, I did have some narrowness, and I had some restrictions on, on what I could hope for. But, man, I was an explorer, and I had 500 acres to explore on. Wow. So I did have that. Story Musgrave, you have such a storied history and everything that you've done. Is there a particular achievement or a moment in your career or your life that you are exceptionally proud of? That, that you know, that you are, what is your favorite moment of, of your life? My 11-year-old daughter, whose name is Little Story Musgrave. That's your achievement? That's, that's what makes you uh, yes. the proudest? My little story. That's my daughter, not granddaughter. Mm-hmm. That's my little sweetie. And why are you so proud? I'm just incredibly glad that I'm a daddy in my 80s. It's just a perfect thing to do. It's lovely to come home and to play with her and to think about all the kind of experiences I can give her to grow her. She was driving two John Deere tractors, two Kubota tractors, her own all-terrain vehicle at age seven. You know, she drives the lift. She operates the lift while I'm on a chainsaw. She's an artist. She sounds never, a lot like you. Uh, yeah, just I'm growing her. and so, But I, I never do any sideways encouragement. I only help her to go where she wants to go. The sideways, I never suggest about where she should go or what she should be. You see, I leave that alone. It's her life, not mine. Story Musgrave, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Okay, sir. That was retired astronaut Story Musgrave. If you're in the Central Florida area, he's speaking at the Winter Park Institute at Rollins College. I'll be there with him leading a Q&A after his talk. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, but join the conversation online. We've got a Facebook page. Search for Are We There Yet? Podcast. Or you can take to Twitter. The show is AWTY Mars. Are We There Yet? Mars. Get it? And I'm at Space Brendan. Support for Are We There Yet? comes from the listeners of WMFE, and our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more space news online at wmfe.org space. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening. <laughs>